Greetings, it's culture.true and we are the students of Higher School of Economics. Here we talk about Russian culture and invite interesting people from other countries to exchange stories and experiences. We are thrilled to introduce you to Misha. He's an incredible guy who studies advertising and public relations in Higher School of Economics. And today he joins our podcast to share some facts about history and customs of his homeland, Uzbekistan. Well, hello there, my dear friend. I haven't seen you for ages. Hi there. It's indeed been a while. So, how is Uzbekistan? Uh, Uzbekistan is actually very hot, and it's not only about the weather, but also about people there, because they're really warm when it's about uh, talking to neighbors uh, and also to strangers. Wow, really? And how is it? Have you ever been to Grandma, but uh, this Grandma is a stranger? So if you can imagine these feelings, it's, it's just like uh, almost the same, because every time you visit Uzbek people at their house, every time you are a guest there, uh, they will try to feed you with everything they have. And even if you're not hungry, the table will be full of different dishes of Uzbekistan. And this list is almost infinite, like it would take hours uh, for me to enlist you all the dishes that they could possibly take out. And still, they will bring you everything every time you come. Besides that, they will be very warm and friendly to you. People there will always try to help you. Uh, for example, we have uh, one custom here. If you respect your visitor like very much, then you will give him a seat as far from the door as possible. So that means that <laughs> the farer your visitor sits from the door, the more you respect him. So, for example, if you came to my home, I would put you on my kitchen because the kitchen is the farest room in my house. Yeah. Uh, and besides that, uh, I would always... Sorry? I'm honored. Okay. Uh, so, besides that, I will offer you piala of tea. And I will try to pour as less tea as possible. Do you know why? Like, can you even guess why? why? Well, this is interesting. Because I suppose nobody expected this from Uzbek people. Nobody expected it from any people, or any kind of people at all. Because in Uzbekistan, people do believe that if you respect your guests, then every time he refers to you with some help, for example, asking you for, to help with something or assist him, this is kind of dignity, kind of honor. And this is like, this is a real honor for us. And do you know what? In Uzbekistan, there are no such words like Mr. or Mrs. We usually refer it to strangers, to neighbors, just to any people, to any person, like brother, sister, or if uh, the person seems much older than you, then you should refer to him like something like mother, father, or grandmother, grandfather. And uh, this is just because people here, they uh, they have some feeling of that um, family boundaries. Like nobody treats each other like strangers. Everybody treats themselves as uh, family members. And the less you know the person, 
the more you will try to pretend and to hide your problems because your aim aim that was inputted uh, into your brain into your mind by culture the only thing that matters is the problems of the other person so people they will try to ask you how can i help you my sister or how can i help you my brother and if for example you ask them for something and they have no idea how to help no way to help you they will still try to help you even if it hurts them even if this is difficult for them so this is interesting i think mm-hmm. so how do you say brother sister mother or father in your language so i can refer to you as a brother for example you can call me uh, akia akia means brother uh, akia. yes akia In some cities of Uzbekistan, the pronunciation differs due to your dialect. For example, in uh, western or eastern regions, we say Akka, but in Tashkent, in the capital of Uzbekistan, people usually say Oka. So the first letter uh, is pronounced like O, not A. And if you want to refer to a woman, then you should call her Opa. Or if she seems a bit younger than you, then you could call her like uh singlem singlem which means uh, younger sister and if you're referring referring to elder ones then you should call them uh, amake bobo or honestly i don't remember how owned is translated into uzbek but this is like opa or something like that so you mentioned that uh, the word for brother actually is pretty different uh, in Tashkent and uh, in other towns and cities in Uzbekistan. And where are you from? Where did you come from? Where were you born? Well, um, it is hard for me to say where I am from, uh, because I cannot say that I am a citizen of only one city. But for sure, there is a place that I was born in, and it is Nawai. Nawai is like, um, it's like the center of Uzbekistan, but not uh in terms of uh, economics or politics so it is located just uh right in the middle of uzbekistan so i feel kind of admired to say that now is the heart of uzbekistan although it is the youngest uh, city in uh, in the country but now i'm living in tashkent so i can say that i am uh, a tashkent citizen and probably i'm from tashkent more than i'm from now <laughs> May I ask a question about your food? Uh, what food do you enjoy eating and what food do Uzbekistanians actually cook? Well, uh, there are a lot of uh, food, kinds of food that we cook in Uzbekistan, but I will start from my favorite ones. Uh, the first that I like the most is a porridge, actually. Uh, it's called in Uzbek like mashkachiri. And there is an analog of this porridge uh, in uh, as a soup and it is called mashkhutda uh, so you can notice that there is overlap in the pronunciation they both start from mash and this is because uh, the foundation of this uh, dishes is uh, mash it's it's kind of bean uzbek bean i suppose uh, which is mixed with rice Uh, then uh, meat added and uh, a little bit of vegetables, potato, parrot, uh, onion. If you want to make porridge, then you add a little water. If you want to cook soup, then you add a lot of water. So at the end, there is some uh, soup. Uh, but I like more uh, mashkachiri. 
and uh, this is what my mother usually cooks at least once or twice in a month and every time uh, she asks uh, she asks me about uh, what to cook uh, today I say maybe mashkachiri and then she says like uh, do you know that we've cooked it uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday and I say mom you know that it's my favorite dish uh, besides that, I'm a big fan of Uzbek samsa. Uh, sometimes it's pronounced like samosa, but usually we here in Uzbekistan call it samsa. It is an analog of Russian, uh, of Russian piroshki or American uh, hamburger. But instead of cutting bread uh, into two slices, we decided uh, just to put them in inside the bread. The most interesting thing about samsa is not uh, how it tastes or uh, how it's served, uh, but the way it is cooked. Because in order to cook samsa, we do not use oven, we do not fry it, we do not boil it in water. We usually use uh, a tool called tandır. Tandır is a Russian analog of uh, pechka of oven. Uh, it is like half circle with space inside it. So uh, you can put on the walls of tandır uh, samsa and usually it sticks with the help of water so we use some kind of glue uh, sometimes we add oil to make it uh, more sticky but the most interesting thing that uh, in tandet samsa is in contact with the fire without any obstacles so there is open contact with the fire probably this is what makes samsa so special well that sounds delicious i really want to try that samsa right now just eat all of it do you have anything else that's that juicy that you describe yes uh, and mashkachiri we also have a plov which is probably the most famous uh, food in uzbekistan so i will try to describe it uh, briefly and after that i will tell you one interesting myth one interesting legend about uh, sumalak which is actually uh, the most special and uh, the most occasional for dish in Uzbekistan because it's only cooked once or twice a year during spring uh, usually at the end of March and in the beginning of April so as you know plov is uh, just rice cooked in oil with uh, meat slices, uh, parrot uh, and uh, probably other vegetables oh no that's it uh, pilaf is usually uh, cooked in different ways depending uh, on the region. So in Uzbekistan there are more than 10 ways to cook pilaf because Uzbekistan is really big country and has uh, different uh, cultures, different na nations uh, in it uh, and uh, every nation lives uh, separately in their region. So if you for example get taste of uh, pilaf uh, in uh, Karakal Pakistan then it will be different to what you could taste it in Tashkent. Uh, for example, in Tashkent, people usually add uh, garlic to plov and uh, this fruit uh, that is like an apple. It's really, really sweet when you put it uh, to plov. Uh, and if you, for example, uh, taste the plov in Firgana, it will be completely different to what you could taste in Bukhara. Because in Bukhara, plov is usually more with much more oil. And in Bukhara people, they usually consume much more oil and fur because they live in cold region. And in Firgana, plov is cooked in a completely different way because they do not mix all the ingredients together while cooking it, but uh, cook each ingredient separ separately. Like uh, rice is uh, boiled uh, and then fried itself, meat the same way and so on. 
But if we talk about sumalak, this is the hardest dish to cook in Uzbekistan because it takes almost a day or even two days to cook sumalak. So you will need a help of some people. So this is why sumalak is usually cooked in a circle of neighbors and only once or twice in a year. And you may wonder what are the ingredients of sumalak if uh, it takes so much time to cook. Well, actually, it doesn't include any difficult, any uh, like rare ingredients. They are only wheat, water, and you may be surprised now, stones. Those stones that you step on every day. Why do we cook dishes from stones, wheat and water? You may get surprised. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is it even safe to eat water with stones? <laughs> no, actually, it's not completely safe. Uh, and that's what I was uh, like uh, going to tell you about. Why do we add stones? This even surprised me, although I'm Uzbek. But still, I'm, I feel kind of like shocked when I heard uh, that we add stones to Somalak for the first time. And uh, finding stone in your dish when you eat Somalak is a big luck. That's what Uzbek people say. So you're a lucky person if you find a stone in your sumalak because uh, stone is kind of treasure. When you find the stone, you may wish uh, what you want. You may ask God uh, to help you with something. You may ask him to make uh, one of your dreams come true. Sumalak was introduced by a mom that had five children or more and the, her children were very hungry and they asked whether they had something to eat and the mother was sorry to tell them that they had no ingredients so she was reluctant to go to the field and gather up some wheat pour some water and add stones and stones uh, she decided to add them to make uh, sumalak more dense less liquid uh, and she was cooking sumalak for days and nights and then once she got so tired that she fell asleep unconsciously and while she was sleeping and her kids were sleeping too uh, they were angels that came from the sky and they they felt so sorry for this family they felt so pity about them and they decided to help her cook something to feed her children and uh, then mother like woke up she opened her eyes and saw 32 or 33 angels and uh, she saw them cooking sumalak and when she asked them about what are they doing they said this is okay just take a rest we will do it ourselves then when she woke up uh, on morning she saw uh, her dish full of sumalak and she could feed with it her uh, children so they grew up really strong so this is why we always cook sumalak every year on Navruz and actually by the way Navruz is kind of Uzbek New Year. There is Chinese New Year, there is Russian New Year. In Uzbekistan we have Navruz and uh, if I'm not mistaken Navruz is also celebrated all around the Central Asia and why do we celebrate it uh, in spring you may wonder because in ancient times Uzbek people they believed like if they see that uh, trees, flowers and birds they start flourishing in March if birds return to Uzbekistan in March, then probably this means that the March is the month when nature uh, starts her cycle once uh, more. Like it's the beginning of uh, the nature, it's the beginning of a year. And they decided to celebrate it on the 21st of March, which is actually the day uh, with equal 
uh, lengths of day and night. So there are 12 hours uh, with sun and 12 hours without the sun. So speaking of the celebrations of different days, what holidays do you have in Uzbekistan apart from Novruz? So I don't think that we have a lot of holidays in a year because people in Uzbekistan, they are really industrious and they really enjoy working hard. But I will try to guess some of them. Uh, well, in January, in January, we have almost no holidays except New Year, but this is not a national holiday because the whole world celebrates it. In February, there are again no holidays, no national holidays. And in March, we celebrate Navdos, which is actually the New Year of Uzbek people. In April, we have uh, two holidays. They are the beginning of uh, Islamic fast and uh, the end of it. Uh, the fast usually lasts for a month. At the end of the April or in the beginning of May, we celebrate a day called Qurban Khaid. And uh, it has something in common with Halloween because uh, in this day, kids all around Uzbekistan, they walk around the neighborhood and ask for some kind of candy, of food, of money. And they say, which can be translated in English, like, give us something because it's a holiday. And people do give them. They give them candies, they give them food, or they give them real money. Besides that, during this day, any misunderstanding, any mistake, it can be forgiven. For example, if you betray the person or you let them down, you can come to them and ask uh, for forgiveness. You can apologize and they will have to forgive you because Qurban Khayr is a sacred day as well as the months before Qurban Khayr. And during these months, you are supposed to be a really good person. So in May, well, I don't think that we have any holiday in May as well as in June, July and August. Well, actually, till the end of the year, we have no national holidays, probably except two. First is the day of Uzbek language. It is the 21st of October. It's not like a kind of cultural holiday, but it's our national holiday and it's widely celebrated all around Uzbekistan. But more important, uh, the day which is more important than the day of Uzbek language is uh, the Independence Day. And uh, it is the 1st of September and the whole Uzbekistan uh, takes a rest for a week and uh, there are some holidays, uh, some meetings, uh, some music and foods cooked all around there and people they carry grass, dishes with grass and you may be wondering what, why do they carry grass? Well, the grass is not just the grass, it's a wheat, young wheat, which is then will be used to cook sumalak in March. So this is like really important day for Uzbek people when they got independent from the Soviet Union and it can be treated as a national holiday, I think. Well, even though it's a few holidays in country, that still sounds a bit massive. I just realized that we haven't seen each other since lockdown and you are a student in Russia as well, right? So can you tell me about the culture shock that you got when you first arrived in Moscow? Yeah, for sure. Well, it's kind of difficult for me to think about cultural shock that I experienced uh, because it's not the best uh, experience, it's not the best part of my life. Well, I'll try. I'll try to be honest and tell you everything about it. So for me, most surprising thing probably was uh, 
how Russian people, particularly in Moscow, were free, free about their minds, free to talk. Because in Uzbekistan, we have kind of uh, problems with speech freedom. Uh, we usually cannot uh, criticize our politics, our government. But in Russia, this is absolutely fine, as, uh, I, and as I saw it. Because in the very first lesson, uh, when I was uh, presenting uh, my report about influencer marketing, I was talking about uh, the video clip uh, of Timothy and Goff, where they were admiring uh, Russian mayor Sabianin and how Moscow has flourished uh, during the uh, past five or ten years. And I was kind of feeling scared to say the truth that this was paid project by government. And when I just stopped at the moment when I had to say this, uh, I just uh, tried to keep silence and to understand whether that was fine to say it or not. And my teacher, she, lo she looked at me uh, and asked, why are you silent? Why don't you say it? I said like, I think you understand what I want to say. And she said, yes, I do understand. And I want you to say this out loud. And then I felt like really shocked because in Uzbekistan, we usually do not criticize. We do not do that here. And in Russia, I felt free to talk about what I think. And this is really good. I would like this to be in Uzbekistan too. Besides that, uh, I also realized that in Russia, people, they really don't care about others. The public pressure is less than in Uzbekistan. For example, it's like really not possible that I can see a grandfather and a really old man driving uh, a bicycle in the city but in Moscow I saw them for many times and that was really surprising and the way they dress is also like really shocking because in Russia people they dress up really bright and uh, colorful uh, dresses colorful shirts and so on but in Uzbekistan people they all always try to stick to one style classical style and uh, they try to wear black or white things so it's hardly possible that you can meet somebody uh, dressed up in really colorful and bright clothes because i suppose this is because of public pressure in uzbekistan well enough of the chit chat how about we go for a walk and i show you around i'm absolutely on it let's go Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed your stay and got to discover something new and exciting about Uzbek culture. Stay tuned for the next episode. Coming soon, St. Petersburg and its lifestyle. <laughs>